Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 city wlcc brandon faith talk tampa download the faith talk tampa app or listen on tune in and odyssey the following is sponsored by verse by verse ministries and is pre-recorded in the tribulation one of the early judgments will be war there'll be there'll be one who's given a great sword, and he takes peace from the earth, and people will fight each other. Now, we're going to stay in, in the book of uh, Revelation a little while. We'll get back to it. We're going to go back and forth between Mark and the book of Revelation. So Mark chapter 6. Mark it down, and so you can turn to it. But that's exactly what's going to happen. As we get closer to the tribulation, and we are moving closer all the time. We are closer than ever. We've been moving closer for 2,000 years, but we are getting closer and closer. We may hear and see peace efforts take place. We hear about that. More and more, and, and you may be very encouraged about peace efforts, but uh, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Man will never achieve lasting peace without the Prince of Peace reigning in his heart. I thought Pastor Steve's reference to various peace efforts was interesting. You know, I can't remember how many past U.S. presidential candidates said they would work to bring peace to the Middle East. I think many people would like to see that happen. However, unless people's hearts are changed, there will be no real peace anywhere. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio program featuring the teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff. The early part of our lesson today, we will be dealing with peace, or should I say the lack thereof, and how that plays out in the end times. If you have your Bible handy and are able to follow along, please turn to Revelation chapter 6 while you keep a finger in Mark 13. Some of the topics today will be war, earthquakes, and famine, so I suggest you buckle up as we head into today's verse by verse. Let's turn to Revelation. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 6 for a while. Revelation chapter 6. So for the first few years, he'll protect Israel. Israel will be at peace, which will be very unusual concerning, you know, considering the way things are today. But other nations won't be at peace. They'll be at war with each other. Revelation chapter 6, let me explain to you, begins... In the book of Revelation, by the way, it is only one revelation, not more than one. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelations. One revelation of Jesus Christ as the judge of the universe. And chapter 6 begins the judgments that God will pour out on the earth. Because the tribulation period, while it is a time of bringing Israel to himself, is, is also a time of God's wrath poured out upon the earth. And that wrath is from the very beginning of the tribulation period. And what happens, well, let me show you verse 1. And when I saw the Lamb, that is the Lord Jesus, I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying as with a voice of thunder, come. 
There is a scroll that John sees, an ancient scroll that's wrapped up and it has seven seals upon it. Now, the scroll is a record or a book of the divine decrees that God will pour out concerning the judgments on the earth. They didn't have books that are bound like we did. They had scrolls and they would have seals upon it. And every time John opens one seal, uh, he's able to read this a little more and he sees a, the divine judgment revealed. It's, it's written for him. And he opens another seal and he sees another judgment. That's why we call it the seal judgments. It has nothing to do with little animals who make noises in the water. Okay? It is the seal judgment because he opens the scroll and he, op- and he pours or tears the seal. Okay? Now the first few judgments are in the imagery, it's just imagery now, of horsemen. They're the form of judgments are horsemen who ride upon the earth and deliver God's judgments. I don't think that there'll be literal horsemen, but it's the imagery of horsemen, and it's taken from the Old Testament book of Zechariah, which has the same imagery. Now, verses 3 and 4. The first seal, by the way, the first judgment will be Antichrist, but we don't need to look at that right now. Verses 3 and 4. When he broke the second seal of that scroll, I heard the second living creature say, saying, come, or you could translate it, go. In other words, the horsemen go. And another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men should slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. So what this is saying is that in the tribulation, one of the early judgments will be war. There'll be, there'll be one who's given a great sword, and he takes peace from the earth, and people will fight each other. Now, we're going to stay in, in the book of uh, Revelation a little while. We'll get back to it. We're going to go back and forth between Mark and the book of Revelation. So Mark chapter 6. Mark it down, and so you can turn to it. But that's exactly what's going to happen. As we get closer to the tribulation, and we are moving closer all the time. We are closer than ever. We've been moving closer for 2,000 years, but we are getting closer and closer. We may hear and see peace efforts take place. We hear about that more and more. And and you may be very encouraged about peace efforts, but uh, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Man will never achieve lasting peace without the Prince of Peace reigning in his heart. Listen, how is, he, how is he going to get along? How is nation going to get along with nation, which he, he can't even get along with his own spouse? Kids can't get along with each other. Husbands and wives can't get along. How are we going to have nation against nation getting, getting along in any kind of a lasting way? No, you have to have a new nature, a new heart. You have to have a, a, a new life. You have to have peace with God. When you have peace with God, then you can uh, have peace with your fellow man. James says this in James chapter 4. He says, What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. James says, Hey, the reason you have all these quarrels and fights is because of, of yourself. Because of yourself. So we have to be changed. Man's self, selfishness dictates that he's a warring individual. So don't be deceived when you, when you read or hear on the news about peace efforts. Just a temporary truce. Counterfeit messiahs, conflicts between nations. The third sign of Christ's coming is calamities on the earth. Calamities like you have never seen. Chaos on the earth. Back to Mark chapter 13. The, the rest of verse 8 says this. The middle begins. There will be earthquakes... In various places, there will also be famines. These things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. 
During the tribulation period, calamities will erupt on the earth in the form of earthquakes and famines. Now, Luke adds in his gospel account that Jesus said there'll be plagues and terrors and great signs from heaven. Horrendous time. Earthquakes and famines are are not new. But in the years preceding Christ's return, earthquakes and famines will increase in number and intensity. Notice what Jesus said. There'll be earthquakes in, in, in various places. Not just one big earthquake, though there'll be big earthquakes, but it'll be in various places. There'll also be famine. So I take it that in some places on the earth, they will experience earthquakes. While they're experiencing earthquakes, some places will experience starvation and famine. While they're experiencing that, other places will experience plagues, and some of these places will experience all of it. And the world will stand in horror as the earth that they once knew is literally falling apart. Now, let's go back to Revelation chapter 6. You'll see this. Everyone needs to turn there because we're going to camp here for a while. Because this is very consistent with what the book of Revelation says. Now remember, Revelation chapter 6 begins the first judgments. And uh, the book of Revelation is, for the most part, very chronological. And so chapter 6 is the beginning of these judgments. Mark 13, this passage we're studying, is the initial birth pangs. It all fits together. It's sort of a commentary on each other. Chapter 6, verse 5 says, And when he broke the third seal... I heard the third living creature saying, come, or, or I like to translate it, go. And I looked and behold a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hands. Now what does that mean? It's a pair of scales in his hands to measure out the scarce quantities of food. This writer represents God's judgment of famine. That's why he has scales. He measures out the little food that is available. It only makes sense that famine follows war because during war people generally turn their attention away from farmlands and producing food to killing and defending themselves that becomes the priority and in wars land is damaged and uh, uh, farms that produced crops are no longer able to do it at that rate and uh, and the results are often famine and with this famine the, the price of food just skyrockets because there isn't that much available. Verse 6. And I heard, as it were, a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. And what does this mean? A denarius was a, a day's wage. That's the common laborer made one denarius uh, a day. And a man could buy a denarius or a man would pay a denarius to purchase a quart of wheat for himself. Not for anybody else, but that would take care of himself. Also, a day's income would purchase three measures of barley just for an individual, not a family. Now, what this means is this. During the tribulation, famines will be so severe that a man will only be able to purchase a meal for himself, not his family. Only for one individual. That's all that this, that this quantity will, will, uh, will feed. He can't feed his family. He feeds his children, he can't feed him, or his child, he can't feed himself. Feeds his wife, can't feed him himself. Uh, this is just enough to go around for one. He'll work all day just to have a meal, and there won't be enough to feed a whole family. That's not to mention other expenses. Other expenses like, like rent and clothing and medical bills. Be a terrible time. Terrible time. It goes on. Verse 7. When he broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come or go. And I looked, and behold, an ashen horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades 
was following with him, and authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. Now, this horseman rides a pale horse or an ashen horse. The Greek word is chloros, which is the root of the modern word chlorophyll. It's a hideous picture of, of a ghastly color. It's, it's sort of a green like a young plant, sort of a, a sickly green. Not a rich, vibrant green, but the, the horse is pale green or, or yellowish green. I guess that would be a good way of putting it. Yellowish green, a horrible hue of, of sick and dying tissue. It's meant to convey that. It's not a pretty picture. It is the color of a corpse because the rider on this horse represents death represents death. According to verse 8, this rider is called death, and appropriately, Hades, which is the realm of the dead, trails behind him as he kills people, scooping up the dead for her domain, death's victims. In this horrible judgment of famines and earthquakes and pestilence and all kinds of things, death rides forth to claim her prey, and according to verse 8, it accomplishes what it, set out, what it sets out to do by taking one fourth of the earth. Notice verse 8 again. Authority was given to him over a fourth of the earth. Now, this could mean that death will reign over a region equal to a quarter of the earth, but most likely it doesn't mean that. Most likely, and more likely, it means that one fourth of the earth's population will die. That's a staggering figure. That's a staggering figure. That's just incredible. Uh, That would be today about a billion people. Analogy is always helpful when you're talking about numbers, so let me tell you the enormity of this number. It is estimated that during World War II, one out of 40 people died during the Second uh, World War. But this pale horse rider will claim one out of every four people. You can see the devastation. You say, uh, is that really believable? One-fourth of the Earth's population? Well, in the Black Plague of the 1300s, over one-half of Europe's population died. There was a hundred years' war. Obviously, it lasted for a hundred years, from 1548 to 1648, and uh, one-half of Europe's population died during that, too. It is very believable. One-fourth of, of the Earth. So this figure is in the realm of believability, and it will happen, even if we didn't have these statistics, because the Word of God teaches this. And how will it happen? Notice verse 8 again. By sword. Kill with a sword. What is that? Bloodshed, wars, famine, starvation, pestilence. This word includes all causes of death. It isn't just disease, so it, it means that pestilence would be earthquakes, suicides, natural disasters, disease. Could be the AIDS epidemic. Could be. I didn't say it it would be. Could be. And then the beasts of the earth. Isn't that interesting? People will be killed by the beasts of the earth. Not many people today die from the beasts of the earth. You know why? Because after after the flood, God put into their hearts, into the beasts of the earth, and there are obviously rare exceptions, and and, and there are exceptions, but generally, um, after the flood, Animals feared man. They didn't fear them before because man didn't eat animals. Didn't, he, he was not a meat eater before the flood. He was a vegetarian. After the flood, animals began to fear men, which makes sense because men wanted to kill them. But what if during the tribulation period that fear of man is taken away from animals? What about it? What if that fear were removed by the fourth seal? I'll tell you, then death by, by savage beasts would claim many people. 
Now, we don't know for certain how these judgments are going to be fulfilled, and, and we don't even want to speculate in terms of any kind of dogmatism. Could be nuclear bombs, uh, bacteria that wipes out portions of the population. Could be the AIDS virus. We just don't know. That day will reveal it. But what we do know is that these horsemen are going to ride, and uh, they're going to pour out God's judgments upon the earth, and people are going to die and starve. Terrible time. Notice, let's jump to verse 12 of Revelation chapter 6, because this speaks of earthquakes. And when I looked, then he broke the sixth seal. We're, we're skipping over the fifth seal right now. The sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. Now notice, it doesn't say blood. It says like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind and the sky was split apart like a scroll when it rolled up and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Boy, that's, that's just frightening. What, what does this mean? It, it means the chicken little's fears will become reality. The sky is falling. Remember chicken little? The sky is falling. First, he says there's a great earthquake. Uh, apparently, tremendous volcanic eruptions will take place, spewing huge quantities of dust and steam and gases into the upper atmosphere. And as a result of this, atmospheric conditions will be such that the sun will be blotted out and the moon will appear red like blood. That's why I said, don't believe the moon's going to be blood. It's just red like blood. From the sky, meteors or, or asteroids or any kind of luminous body will, will fall to the earth. Verse 14 says the sky will appear to be splitting apart. Sort of like a, 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 like a scroll that's rolled up or a lampshade. It'll appear to be splitting apart because the earth will be shifting and every mountain and island will be moved. It's an incredible, incredible scene. Now, let's, let's turn back to Mark's gospel. Whenever something like a major war or a natural disaster of huge proportion takes place, questions are raised over whether this is the end of the, the age, whether this is it. When we had the Gulf War, even secular broadcasts were questioning whether this is Armageddon. And I'm sure those who were in the Philippines and experienced the earthquake wondered if the world was coming to an end. Very normal to think like that. But what did Jesus say about the end of the age? Mark 13, verse 8. The end of it says, these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. It's not the end. In other words, the labor pains have just started. There is more to come, unfortunately. There is more to come. This is just the first half of the tribulation period. It's just first three and a half years or so. Labor pains, as I told you, in a woman get longer and longer, occur more frequently, increase in intensity. So the closer we get to the return of Christ, the more difficult the tribulation is going to be until ultimately it gives birth to the kingdom. As the song says, we've only just begun. Counterfeit messiahs, deceiving people, deceiving people. Conflicts between nations, taking peace from the earth. Calamities on the earth. Earthquakes, famines, plagues, terrors, signs in the heavens. What a horrendous time. It's interesting to me, you, you can turn back if you want to Revelation 6, but ju just listen. It's interesting to me that, do you know what the response of the people will be in the tribulation? After these things happen, after the seals are, are opened, the response is, 
verse 15 says, The kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. In other words, uh, every class of society will be affected. There'll be no Saddam Husseins who can sort of hide from this and not be affected by it. He'll, he'll be in, well, I should say, he'll be in hiding like everybody else or that, that type of, of thing. All the leaders, free men, slaves, every class of person. And they're going to hide in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And uh, notice verse 16, they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. They're going to cry out, protect us, fall on us, hide us. We'd rather die here in a cave with rocks falling on us than face the wrath of the Lamb. And they finally acknowledge, verse 17, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who's able to stand? It's been going on for a while. They just finally figure out, hey, this isn't normal. This is, this is really different than what we've ever experienced. Now, the interesting thing to me is that they don't repent and trust Christ. That's the amazing thing. They realize that the wrath of God has come. They realize this is not coincidence. They realize this is part of the divine plan, and God is pouring out his wrath on the earth for their rebellion. And they absolutely say, hey, we'd rather die in a cave than ever turn to Christ. That's frightening. I think that's more frightening than the tribulation, actually, that man's heart can be so hard. Now, we need to be careful as we study the tribulation that we're not hard towards the Lord. And we need to be very careful that we're not just intrigued with prophecy, but that uh, uh, we need to have a right response to Christ, a right response to Him. If you do not know Jesus Christ, be so careful. Be so careful. Don't think, well, if the, if the rapture would occur and I were to enter the tribulation, sure, I'll accept him then. I don't think so. I mean, it's possible, but I don't think with that attitude that many will. Because you just get harder and harder the more you put it off. So be very careful. And for believers, we need to be careful that we're not complacent now. That we read this and say, oh, isn't that interesting? Oh, that's, re that's, that's really amazing. That's going to happen. Listen, studying the future ought to affect us today. These things are real. These things are going to happen. We need to be motivated to be witnessing. We need to be motivated to be living godly lives. This stuff's really going to happen. And we need to stop being so comfortable with this world because this world is going to change rapidly. And you, you just can't, as a believer, hold on to this world and, and clutch it to your breast and say, this is what life's all about. No, this isn't what life's all about. Living for Jesus Christ and having an eternal perspective is what life's all about. How can we escape this period of horrors? By coming to Christ. I'm back now with those of you who may not know him. Come to Jesus Christ for salvation. You see, he has taken God's wrath upon himself. But actually, the Father put it upon him. Our, the wrath of God was laid upon Jesus Christ so that no one ever has to endure the horrors of God's wrath during the tribulation. All you need to do is turn from your sin, repent, which is an attitude, and then trust Jesus Christ's death for you. Let's bow for prayer. What we've studied today is not fiction. It isn't a myth. It's real. And it really will take place. How do we know that? Well, we know it, first of all, in the authority of Scripture. God said it. But we also know that whatever God has predicted would take place in the past has taken place in the past. Therefore, we can be very assured that what will take place in the future, and his word reveals, will actually take place. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I wouldn't let another day go by.
without calling out for his mercy and grace. You don't know if you're going to live through today. You don't know if today is going to be the rapture and those you love will be gone. You need to trust Jesus Christ, not simply out of a fear, but trust him because you recognize your, your sin. There is, a, there is that, that heart of it is, yes, fear for God's judgments, but you need to trust Jesus Christ and give your life to him. And if you do know the Lord Jesus, I trust that the study of his word has prompted you to live more for him and not for today's comforts. Believe me, it'll pass very quickly and it's not worth living for. It seems hard to believe that these things are really going to happen here on planet Earth. However, this is not fiction or some sci-fi movie. This comes from the Bible. We can believe what it says. So, are you ready to face eternity? That is the thrust of everything Pastor Steve has been talking about. We're not learning about these hard-to-believe events just for the sake of knowing what's coming. If you are not prepared for eternity, please take to heart what Pastor Steve said in the conclusion of today's session. You need to trust Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you've already done that, let me encourage you to live more for Christ and less for the comforts of this life. Today's verse-by-verse program is at an end, but please make plans to join us next time as we continue with this very important series, Birth Pains for the Kingdom. Taught to us by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida.